Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world and winner of the Best Fan Site Award in the Project Fanboy Awards. Now, this is show number 63, released on March 31st, 2010. With me is my good buddy, Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Writing and living. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, getting through uh, what's been a uh, pretty busy time of the year. So, uh, you know, we've got lots and lots of topics to discuss for this uh, issue of Radio KAL. We've got uh, heaps to talk about, so let's just jump straight into it. And Sounds good. Let's uh, get into the your, one of your favorite topics, Smallville. <laughs> Smallville, yes, renewed for a tenth season. Yes, um, many thought it wouldn't happen. Many hoped it would, and others hoped it wouldn't. But uh, Smallville has an, officially been renewed for a tenth season. And um, I mean, obviously, we're saying tenth season will be the final season, but that's not a foregone conclusion with this TV series. Yeah. Well, you know, with uh, w- w- you, despite my misgivings about the show, I'm really glad for the people who are enjoying it and having a good time. I'm yeah. glad they get to keep watching it and having a good time, and, and I hope it gets better and that they have a really great, uh, a really great experience and that it, it ends on a good note. I'll probably pop on and check out that last episode and, hell, maybe even review it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, uh, we're still in the middle or towards getting towards the end of Season 9. The next new episode airs on April 2nd. Um, and then there's pretty much a, a straight run of episodes from that point onwards. Um, oh. So the next episode uh, that airs on April 2nd is called Escape, and uh, that features the Silver Banshee. Yeah, that's the one I was just, just going to say. It's got that Silver Banshee isotoner glove thing going on. <laughs> Have you seen the, those pictures? Yeah. Wow. You know, that's like sad. usually I don't like to judge costumes. That's like one of my big policies. Don't judge a costume until you've seen it in motion. But Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we don't know if there'll be any type of special effect, um, you know, to make the Banshee maybe glow a bit or, you know, what, uh, yeah, how, how so. it'll appear. But, um, yeah, pretty uh, garish type of uh, costume for the Silver Banshee. But uh, we shall see how that episode pans out um, and um, see whether the the Banshee is as she is in the comics. Yeah, that'd be cool if they kept it close. Yeah, and uh, beyond that, uh, we've got a lot of other DC Comics characters uh, popping up in future episodes. We've got Maxwell Lord going to make an appearance, Franklin Stern, the owner of, uh, publisher of uh, The Daily Planet. Uh, as we've said in, uh, in our last podcast, we've got Perry White and Martha Kent both returning for this season, so quite a few characters are uh, popping up. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I didn't know that they were doing Franklin Stern yet. That's pretty neat. That gives me hope they might do something like Ron Trout or Troop, depending on how you look at it. Or, but but they got rid of that. Uh, they they had that new interim publisher. We haven't really seen the publisher in what five ten years in the comics, something like that. Yeah, no, they haven't really. It's not really been a focus. We've just know you know Perry White's the editor in chief in the comics, and beyond that, uh, there's not much else said about the Daily Planet. Yeah, I think it'd be neat. I like the idea of Franklin Stern coming back to the comics. I hope they do that at some point. Yeah, well, um, just how Perry White uh, will feature, and uh, obviously Michael McKean's been posting quite a few behind-the-scenes photos from his time shooting Smallville. He posted a photo of himself and Erica Durance, uh, which will be interesting to see how the first meeting of Lois and Perry is portrayed in Smallville. Uh, <laughs> there's the reunion of Martha and, uh, and Clark. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's... There's quite a few interesting, you know, episodes coming up just for those moments. It's See. definitely a cool concept. Yeah. I hope they get Lois with her uh, love of 80s hair metal uh, doing some kind of spinal tra- tap riff. That would be pretty <laughs> cool. 
But, um, yeah, so the only thing that we do know that, uh, for speaking of returning characters or new characters coming, is Michael Rosenbaum has uh, broken the hearts of many fans and pretty much said he's not returning to the show. Uh, he's posted that on Twitter. So, um, yeah, people who are hoping for Rosenbaum to return as Lex Luthor, um, sorry, but uh, it's not happening. Yeah, that was like uh, almost like a Tom Welling as Superman for Superman Returns kind of thing. I don't know if it, you, you remember, but I remember yeah. like looking at the message boards when they were trying to announce who was going to play Superman, and everyone was like, Welling's already signed. I have confirmed proof, you know? <laughs> and that was one of the big things. Like When they announced season 10, they were like, oh, yeah, I know for sure that Michael Rosenbaum is coming back. They're going to bring him back. And I was like, where do you get that? But uh, I remember, you know, when I did that interview with Rosenbaum a couple of years ago, which was fantastically cool. Um, not my interview, but meeting Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> and, 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 you know, just looking him in the eye and he's like, no, nope, not coming back. Not coming back. You could just see it. He's like, it's... even the truckload of money wouldn't bring him back. I think he's he's done with the character. Yeah, he's left that behind, moved on to bigger and better things. Well, I don't know about bigger, but uh, maybe. I don't know. I like that. Uh... I like that uh, PG. Well, you know, I can't really say that on a family podcast, but he did something <laughs> that was really funny recently. <laughs> All right. Um, something that uh, you're familiar with is role-playing games, or uh, yes. as the uh, acronym is, RPG. Um, there's a Smallville RPG coming out. Is there? I did not know that. Yes. That, is, that is pretty cool, actually. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Totally <laughs> wait a minute. Well, they're doing one um, for um, like Supernatural and a couple of other TV shows. Um, it'll be coming out uh, later this year. And, is it um, going to be D20? Sorry? Is it going to be a D20? Do you know the concept? I do not know. I didn't even know what a D20 is. A D20 is basically, there, there are many different kinds of role-playing role game uh, setups. There's D6s, D20s, D10s, and a D20 means you roll a 20-sided dice to see usually if you uh, accomplish something. Like, say, Clark punches uh, Neil Bailey's character from Project Solomon, who is not really Solomon Grundy, in the stomach, you know? And whether he hits <laughs> or not is like a statistical 15 to, to 20 kind of thing. Okay, I do not know. I, there aren't that many details available as yet uh, from the company called... Margaret Weiss Productions. Hmm. Uh, you can check them out at margaretweiss.com. Now, oh, what, what, we, what we do know is that uh, the RPG will come out with a 192-page hardcover, hardcover uh, book, I guess it is, that uh, the role-playing game is uh, you know, set up in. Uh, nice. That will be released on August, August 1st. And there will be a couple of softcover source books coming out for it. Uh, the first one is Smallville High School Yearbook, Available October first, and Smallville that is pretty the, cool. Yeah, Smallville, the Watchtower Report will about be available December first. So we, we will probably have to to play test that and get a couple of people. I, heck, I would give that a shot. You want you want me to review that thing? I guess we could. We should probably talk about that. But that's that. Yeah, that yeah, is well, pretty cool. I I'm mean, a, I am astounded by this. I've never played a role playing game that's not been say you know a computer version of something. So. Um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to, to see, you know, whether or not that's something that you can do uh, via yeah, the internet. you should organize some groups of fans and get, get a campaign going and check this out. That could be pretty neat, actually. There could be a lot of potential in there. Let's, uh, let's wait for August 1st when that is released. And, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, just how that works out and uh, whether or not we can do something along those lines. But uh, that's the Smallville role-playing game set for release August 1st this year. Uh, other than that, the, the other Smallville news that was quite interesting was the uh, report that the creators and producers of Smallville, um, being Tolan Robbins and uh, Al Goff and Miles Miller, are suing 
Warner Brothers over Smallville. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know much about, uh, you know, exactly what their, you know, the issue is, but um, it's, it just seems to be that Superman is surrounded by, you know, legal proceedings. Yeah, or maybe anything that makes a butt ton of money, I guess, you know, True. to a degree. I don't know. I, I It's tough to say because I know that I've been in positions where, where suing to get your creative rights is a very important thing, so I don't want to condemn before I see it. I know I was soured by, I think, the, 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 uh, the original creator's family's lawsuits over the years, but uh, I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll follow it, I guess. Well, basically, the complaint is that uh, Warner Brothers Television – uh, made licensing fee deals uh, with the WB and then the CW that were supposedly, you know, n- well, the argument is that they weren't, um, you know, at, at arm's length, meaning that they weren't obviously, uh, they, were, they did a, a, a deal that wasn't necessarily worth market value. Because oh, so essentially, ethics. like, they only put out action figures, but they didn't put out action figures in a role-playing game, so they could have made more money, so they're suing for potential earnings? Yes, I think that's what they're saying. So, uh, hmm. And also for the licensing for broadcasting, that they didn't necessarily uh, release it. Uh, they sell, sold it below market value um, <laughs> because of the fact that they're affiliated with the, you know, the network that's uh, airing the, the, the series. It's kind of a weird, uh, kind of a weird way of doing it. I mean, like, like if I wrote an original story for a comic book company or something, and then and then I said, "Well, you didn't make action figures and try and sell them, so you didn't fully exploit my property, so I'm going to sue you for that money you well, could have potentially." I don't, nec- I don't necessarily think it's because of things that they didn't create. I think it's because they're saying that um, they. Well, let, let me read the the report here. It says um, Warner Brothers' practices of unfair self dealing include licenses. Licensing the series oh. broadcast on its own affiliated WB and CW networks for unreasonably low below market license fees, resulting in lower gross revenues for the series and less compensation for the plaintiffs, failing okay. to renegotiate the series license fee to cover its production costs. So, so it's like that saying, sweetheart deal thing. Yeah, sweetheart deal, exactly. They're saying that uh, because Warner Brothers um, and Time Warner, I guess, is um, owner, part owner of the CW network that they sold a licensing fee to them in a sweetheart deal so that the, you know, they're saying that they didn't give it to proper market value, that they would have necessarily right. sold it to uh, a network who wasn't part of the company. So, okay, so instead of being like my analogy, it'd be more like, say, if because the Star Wars movies were distributed through Fox, say that Fox owned the Star Wars property, and then they didn't pay the people who made the movie enough, but, you know, market value. Okay, that makes exactly. more sense, actually. That's what, it is. That's what, they're, that's what they're saying, so... We'll yeah we'll follow that um, that legal battle uh, for uh, over the rights or over the, sorry not the rights over the Smallville's um, you know licensing and uh, see what comes of it but uh, yes a, another legal battle being fought on the Superman front yeah it's too bad okay uh, moving into movie discussions um, obviously we know that Christopher Nolan um, is you know on board uh, producing. The next Superman movie. He's got David Goya writing the script. The two of them, uh, David Goya, came up with a story that uh, idea that uh, Christopher Nolan liked and was uh, excited about. And now they're moving forward to complete the script. And uh, Christopher Nolan pretty much said that uh, he'll be producing the film. Uh, just what that means for possible directors is uh, unknown at this point in time. But um, Warner Brothers at the recent Show West. Um, convention, I think you call it, was uh, basically came out and said that the DC heroes 
are going to be replacing Harry Potter as their tentpole property for movies moving forward with the, uh, the last Harry Potter film currently in production um, and I think released in 2011. They're pretty much saying once Harry Potter is, is done, the DC Comics superheroes will be the, um, you know, the, the project that they'll like to move forward with for their big movies. Cool. Just in time for me to have grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's pretty interesting, you know, seeing obviously a third Batman film, uh, the, yeah. the Flash, uh, which I think is well overdue to see him on the big screen. Um, and then obviously Superman. And hopefully they, that will, you know, also got, come off with Wonder Woman. And, you know, we know there's a Green Lantern movie being made. Um, maybe we'll see, you know, the other, the other heroes um, also get to be put on screen and then eventuate into a possible Justice League movie. Yeah, one would hope. I, I like the idea of the 3D movie, too. That's the thing. The, uh, the first one, the few scenes that were in 3D were actually really incredible, like the farm scene and the, uh, I believe, the, the scene where he lifted the, uh, the, the liner out of the water. Sure. In, in 3D, that was really awesome. Okay, well, I never got to see any of Superman Returns in 3D. It wasn't uh, released here in the 3D version of, you know, with those scenes uh, in, in Australia. We didn't get to see the 3D scenes at all. But... Um, I never saw Avatar in 3D. I saw that in 2D just because I pref- well, I don't know. I I like to see it sit in the movie and you know be able to just watch the film. But it seems right. like 3D is now the new f- craze, the the next big thing, and all the all the big budget films are coming out in 3D now. I think I'll have to wait until I actually sit in a cinema with the glasses on and watch a 3D film before I can actually say whether I think it's a good thing or not. I mean, I have been in you know, those 4D um, theme park things like uh, Terminator uh, 3D at uh, Universal Studios, uh, or sorry, the, you know, the Universal theme park. Um, yeah. I've seen the Shrek 4D that they released. Um, and, it, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing because some people get disturbed by the 3D, having the glasses. It doesn't, your eyes aren't relaxed because they're actually, you know, focused on an area that's, not comfortable necessarily. So for yeah. a two-hour, three-hour film, you know, I don't know. I might come out with a pretty big migraine. It's tough. I, I, I tried to decide to, to wear my glasses underneath or not. It prevents some yeah. eye strain. But once you start getting into it, like movies like uh, Avatar and Up, I saw both of those in 3D. You know, what do you think of the movies aside? The uh, the visual is just – there's a lot of really cool stuff they do with 3D. Yeah, it's not so much that whole, you know, poking sticks out and, you know, f- you know – things coming at you just, just for the sake of 3D. They're actually building, you know, more of like a, um, a depth to the film. Yes. Sorry about <laughs> that. That right. is my wonderful phone, everybody. It made a guest appearance. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, uh. building a, they're building a depth to the film. They're creating, you know, a perspective. And that's not, you know, all those gimmicky things, like I said, with a, you know, a, um, a, a, a finger being pointed out into the audience or, you know, bubbles just being released for the sake of, you know, um, right. making it, you know, use of the 3D thing. It's, it's building a, a whole three-dimensional world rather than just things coming out at you. It could be it could be a great thing. It could be a bad thing because then when every single movie comes out in 3D, it would add costs to the production and make yeah. more independent movies hard to come by. But at the same time, it could lead to a jump forward in the art form like color gave movies to a degree because when you start writing to the 3D, then you're going to get a whole different experience and new ways to tell stories in the same way that video games have kind of given us new ways to tell stories in ways that are intriguing and, and participatory. Yeah. 
But, um, yeah, so Warner Brothers pretty much said that all their big movies moving forward will be in 3D. Uh, just how that will work for people in the audience and whether or not that it's a passing phase or whether it's a new, like you said, moving from, you know, silent film, films to, to films with sound, from black and white films to films with colour, whether this is the next evolution in the uh, film, ex- you know, cinema experience uh, remains to be seen. And I've already seen that 3D, you know, still cameras are coming out, 3D TVs are coming out. So, you know, it seems like it's a new, a new fad, but uh, just how long or whether it becomes, you know, sticks and actually stays, uh, it remains to be seen. But uh, I know there are a lot of people against it and there are a lot of people for it. And I think Superman could benefit greatly from 3D, especially with a lot of the flying and, you know, um, you know, a lot of action scenes. But um, whether it's here to stay remains to be seen. So we'll just wait and see how uh, that pans out. But uh, before we move on away from the movies, I just wanted to go again and touch on Nolan's comments. Uh, he was also at Show West uh, this earlier this month or earlier in March. And... Um, he said, we're producing the Superman film and David Goya had a terrific take on the story. Uh, I've been working on the story with David and he's going to go off and write it and we'll see where it goes. So uh, they're well in, involved in getting that uh, movie you know, into a stage where Warner Brothers will green light it. Um, but uh, obviously he's not discussing Justice League. Uh, he says, you know, I can't really talk about other things with a wry smile. So uh, whether or not Justice League is something that Nolan will look to in the future, um, whether or not that's even something he's even aware of or worried about. Um, you know, we just want to focus obviously on Superman and hopefully get uh, get that moving forward. Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, it's been, oh God, four years now since it came out and they're not even in pre-production. It's just, it's frustrating. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, we really need this next movie to work because if it doesn't, that could really be the death uh, death knoll for for Superman. You know, we we uh, we need this next movie to be a blockbuster hit. Otherwise, they're just not going to touch the property again. Yeah, they'll stay away from it for a while. The comics will obviously keep going on, I'm sure. But uh, as a movie property, it's it's so weird. But then again, you look at something like the difference between, say, Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. What was the t- year difference in between that? Like like ninety uh, seven to. What was it, 05 or 06? Mm, well, it wasn't, you know, it was obviously followed on pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was followed up on within a decade, and then it just completely revitalized it. I got, I got hope. I got yeah. hope. All right, well, we wait and see exactly where Nolan goes with this new Superman movie, and hopefully there are um, announcements uh, coming in, you know, within the next few months of exactly what they're planning to do. But yeah. uh, let's move into the comic book uh, discussions. Um we're right in the thick of the last stand of New Krypton. What's your take so far? So far, it's it's still cool ideas. The execution is just like, everybody's fighting now. There doesn't seem to be much kind of character motivation, and there, there seems to be some interesting concepts, but... Like, uh, I, I just reviewed Superman 698, and it seems to be like Luthor and Brainiac and Superman in a room, you know, trading banter, fighting a little bit, 
But it's like um, there doesn't seem to be much of a payoff. Like there's no unique plan. They haven't revealed a plan yet. So it's it's still early on. But uh, so far, it's it's got decent looking battles and decent little ideas for plots. But the execution has not wowed me over much. Like say, I don't know. A good example is when Zod came under the Jeff Johns storyline, mm-hmm. and there were all these different ways that they were using Kryptonite, and Lex Luthor's motivation was complex, and uh, Zod's motivation was not as complex. But at least he had some interesting counterparts all around him with all the villains that kind of gave it a little bit of flavor and there was interaction between you know ursa and lois and and now it's just basically you know the whole i've got you tied up now superman what are you gonna do about it and superman's like oh i don't like that very much i'm going to break out with the strength of my character you know that kind of thing mm. and while it's fun to see that to a degree it's almost kitten in a tree to a degree so i don't know i'm still i, I got to see how it plays out do you think this is almost like the the calm before the storm in a way? Because we know that the, I hope so. The, what is it? The uh, the war of the Superman is supposed to be this, uh, you know, four issue. If you discount the zero issue, that's obviously set up on free comic book day. But after that, you got this four issues coming one week after the other with twenty. What is it? Hundred. This one hundred minute war that's supposedly told in twenty five minute um, right. increments. Uh, per yeah. issue, and that seems like you know, 100 minutes. What are we talking? You know, less than two hours. This whole war will be fought in. So I guess that that's going to be pretty fast action and pretty hard hitting stuff. So you know, this last stand of New Krypton is almost, you know, um, the the calm before the storm, as I said. Yeah. Pretty much. It, it, I, I hope that the that the, the actual event is just this big wow. I really do. Yeah. Well. Uh, Obviously, we've got a lot of fans going, hooray, Superman's finally back in his regular costume. <laughs> um, and that was a pretty cool scene where he tore off his uh, Kryptonian military uniform to reveal the, the Superman costume underneath. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, that's kind of you know a foreshadowing for what's to come. We're hopefully going to get a lot of Superman action in the, in the coming months. Yeah, that's uh, you know it, it's it's going to be all or none. This is going to be the make or break for the uh, kind of new run that's been going on for the last few years. Well, and that new run pretty much comes to a to an end with the new creative teams having been announced. Um, yeah, you know we've got uh, we all we knew that J. Michael Straczynski was coming on with uh, Superman seven hundred and one, or I think that's when his when his first issue is. But we know that Eddie Barrows is the artist joining him on issue 701 of the Superman title. Uh, so that's uh, that creative team pretty much wrapped up. And then we've got uh, Pete Woods joining uh, Guggenheim on Action Comics as of 890. So that's pretty much uh, the sealed deal for the, you know, the, the two big uh, Superman titles. Um, yeah. Which is pretty much all we're left with these days. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed with the Barrows choice. I don't know. I was looking at it. all of his all of his work seems kind of like kind of leaf filled. You know what I mean? It's right. like he's got those those big kind of twisted bodies and and way too many teeth. And it's one of those things where it's kind of I don't know. It just it, it seems like I don't know. I, I, it, it seems either rough or maybe not rough, but just not a style I enjoy particularly. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, well, it's it's a change, and uh, exactly what direction they'll take with the regular Superman comic books uh, is you know, something that we'll, we'll be interested to see because uh, pretty much these last couple of years have been directed by Jeff Johns, um, Greg Rucker, 
and uh, and crew and you know to see how this new team where the direction they take superman in uh, it's it's going to be interesting because it's uh, been a pretty good run uh, other than yeah. the fact that superman hasn't necessarily been in his books for the last his own books for the last year um you know having built those characters you know like monel and and uh nightwing and flamebird and, and supergirl to a degree um having built them as as character you know we've always complained that superman doesn't have a great family of characters like um batman does well necessarily on the villain side maybe that's more uh true but um ha- adding all these new characters to to the superman family um could be quite interesting i'm not necessarily interested in seeing their own stories as we have so far but just how they interact with Superman going forward and whether or not we will see them with these new writers and these new creative teams on board uh, should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and um, if it's just kind of dropped like a like a rock or if it's uh, kind of something that doesn't pay off well, it's going to leave a scratch in our heads to a degree because there's a lot of effort and a lot of thought putting into it. You it put into it, and you want some kind of really good payoff too. Exactly. Yeah, we don't want to have to have seen a year of Monel and a year of Nightwing and Flamebird without some real payoff, like you said, uh, whether that's in the War of the Superman. Uh, or not, um, or if they actually remain with these new creative teams, uh, will be interesting. Yep. Okay, well, the uh, other only other thing I wanted to touch on with the comic books, unless there was something you wanted to discuss. Nope, I'm pretty good. Okay, was the fact that Action Comics number one beat Batman, beat uh, the Detective Comics, uh, with the selling price of $1.5 million dollars. It sold um, in late March, so uh, it's number one again. One point five million for a comic book from nineteen thirty-eight. Wow! Yeah, heck, I'll get, I'll do, I'll give you a reprint for five bucks. Good profit <laughs> margin. Yeah, well, the uh, one of the you know few remaining uh, copies of Action Comics number one, the original, in pretty good condition by the sound of the report. Uh, it was supposedly found. Uh, within a uh, a movie magazine, someone had obviously slipped it inside this magazine, and so it had pretty much stayed in great condition, sitting inside another magazine, and uh, it sold for one point five million dollars US. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm so mad at my grandpa for not doing the same thing. <laughs> Dang you, grandpa! Yeah. So whether or not we'll see another comic book sell for that for for more than that, um, you know, we had Superman sell for a million, uh, you know, a few months ago. Then uh, Detective Comics. Beat that out uh, by the small margin, and everyone was saying, "Oh, Batman's you know beaten Superman, blah blah blah." And no one thought that uh, it would go up again. But Action Comics number one selling for one point five million dollars. It's hard to see whether or not another comic will beat that price uh, in in the future. Yeah, I bet you it does. I bet you we get oh crazy prices in the next oh, sure. in the next twenty five years. Oh, as, definitely. It's more and more rare. I'm sure the next five ten years they'll you know we'll get a new round of uh, of sales of those comics. But uh, it's you know the the guys who are involved in these auction houses seem to think that you know this might be this might top it off for the current phase of of sell of sales. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Superman celebration is fast approaching in Metropolis, Illinois. Uh, it's on in June, and uh, the special guests have been announced. We've got uh, Laura Vandervoort, who played Supergirl in Smallville. We've got Sam Witwer, who played Davis Bloom in Smallville. We've got Ilya Salkine, the producer of the first three Christopher Reeve Superman movies. And, of course, the First Lady of Metropolis, Noelle Neal. They're all the special guests attending the 2010 Superman celebration, and uh, it's a great lineup. 
Yeah, I think that uh, this, especially given that uh, Laura Vandervoort and Sam Witt were were fan favorites for their years, you know, it's like if if you were watching during that year and enjoying the show, they were probably a large reason why. And it's definitely good to see Noel Neal probably going to be there. You know, like how, how's her health doing? We were, we, I was worried about that. Yeah, well, she obviously had a pretty bad cold or flu and was recovering from that, but then slipped and fell and uh, hurt her uh, her hip, her right, uh, I think it was her right hip, and um, is recovering nicely, they say. Haven't heard much in, uh, in recent days, but... Um, I'm guessing well, we'll keep an eye on it, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm guessing she will be able to make the Superman celebration. Um, they uh, cancel her spring um, appearances at other conventions, but, uh, you know, Noelle, if she's capable, will definitely be at Metropolis because uh, she's there every year and she loves the place and she loves the fans uh, who attend the celebration. So um, our best wishes to Noelle for a speedy recovery. Yeah, definitely. But uh, the Superman celebration is on from June 10th to June 13th in Metropolis, Illinois. If you've never been before, this year sounds like a great year to go. We've got uh, Superman homepage staff members uh, Barry Fryman attending, and I believe also Ralph Silver, another one of our reviewers and writers, will also be making his uh, first trip to Metropolis. So those guys will be on hand with um, Jamie Kelly and Rhonda, who are, again, going to be covering the events for the Superman homepage as Clark and Lois, and uh, we hope to, uh, uh, we look forward to seeing their coverage of this year, having done it for the first time last year for us. Uh, they, uh, you know, got great plans for the 2010 celebration, and it should be an exciting time. Yeah. Oh, Jamie and Kelly are awesome. Jamie and Rhonda, you mean? Oh, <laughs> duh. I did that before on this very podcast. Why do I always do that? Oh, oh well. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, Rhonda. Now Rhonda's going to kick me next time I see her in Metropolis. <laughs> All right. The only other thing we wanted to... Uh, oh, I just wanted to no, I just wanted to thank uh, Jeffrey Taylor, who uh, is another Superman homepage member, who attended the um, convention in Orlando, Florida, to be there on behalf of the Superman homepage to collect the Best Fan Site Award from the Project Fanboy Awards. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for attending the convention and going, taking your time out from your work and and uh, attending the convention to to uh, accept that award on behalf of the whole crew at the Superman homepage. It was a great honour for us to receive that award, and uh, we once again thank everybody for voting for us. Yes, thanks, Jeffrey, for going, and thank you everybody for voting. Okay, let's move into the big questions segment of the show. <laughs> start with the big question uh what did we have last month well last month we asked people who would you like to see direct the new superman movie and why so uh cool. yeah we know christopher nolan is producing but uh just who will direct is remains unknown but uh who was our first respondent uh let's see we got uh, calvin bose and he wrote the new superman director should be peter jackson this is why when you look at his this is why. When you look at the Lord of, his Lord of the Rings trilogy in King Kong, you see a man who very much wants to preserve what fans of Tolkien and the original Kong cared about. Most directors take something and make it all new and different, but he very much wants to preserve the original material as much as possible. I believe he would give us a Superman of integrity, and like on the other projects, he would fight for it. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I like Peter Jackson as a director, and uh, if he was a fan of, of the property, I think he would do a, a great job of... Like he said, preserving the integrity of the character, so without having to well, 
wanted to stamp his own type of um, you know uh, thing on the on the movie. We already know he can do a giant monkey. What was the name of that giant monkey with the kryptonite eyes? I forget. Uh, Titano. Titano, yeah. He could do a great Titano. We know that much. <laughs> All right. Uh, David Cubbage, a.k.a. the creator of Darth Luthor, uh, copyright pending. I remember last issue you liked that, uh, that name, Neil. Yes, indeed. Uh, to me, he says, there is one choice. Michael Bay ducks the rotten tomatoes thrown by Neil. Oh, he assumes <laughs> I will send vegetables and nut knives. My pick is J.J. Abrams, he says, in all seriousness. While his script for McGee's Superman movie had huge problems, I liked Star Trek. It was a positive, fun movie that felt original but stayed true to the essence of the characters, what Superman sorely needs. Team him up with Jeff Johns for the script and you have a winner, I think. Seriously, seriously, if Warner ever picks Michael Bay, I'm sending Darth Luthor along with the Black Blur to teach them a lesson. Yes, yes. Along with me, too, I tell you. Michael Bay, uh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, yeah. What he could design of... the, the robots. <laughs> what do you think of J.J. Abrams? J.J. Uh, Abrams, I am. It, it's hit and miss with yeah, me. Yeah. Like, sometimes I really like what he's doing, sometimes I really don't. I, I dig Lost. I was not as fond of Alias. Um, Star Trek, I loved and hated alternatively. Isn't that kind of weird? But it's like, it, it usually sends me to a real polar extreme. I think it's because his storytelling style is to create a very intriguing mystery, but I get hacked when the mystery doesn't pay off or isn't, you know, paid off really, really well. Yeah. So He seems to have a, a great hit with TV shows, like I said, Lost and Fringe. But, um, yeah. you know, uh, his movies are sometimes hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, next we have John, and John wrote, I have to go with Nolan. I'm not picking him because it, it, it was rumored to be the next director in charge of the next Superman movie or whatever he's rumored to be. I picked him because I think he's very knowledgeable about the comic book heroes, obviously from the first Batman movie he did. Or if he didn't know about the character enough, he took the time to look into the history of the character and made a movie that was close enough to the comic history of Batman as you can get in a movie. If he can do it with Batman, why not Superman? And like Batman, I think he'd stay true to the character. So if he did Superman, I think he makes Superman in, in, in the bright city that metropolis is and make superman himself a bright beacon of hope that he is i think he'd understand superman enough that he wouldn't make him dark gritty like batman or dark like wb wants him to be the only darkness he'd add would be make would to make would be to make think, things more bold bright and updated and make characters and the settings tougher and less laid back and get rid of the tongue and cheekiness of the 80s superman movies that's why i'd pick nolan he is you know that's a good point nolan but i you know i don't know if it's necessarily the history of the character because i know even singer was very close to the history of the character i think it's just Nolan knows how to tell a good story, you know? That's it. He, he bases his, uh, his movies around a good story and sets them in a type of reality. Yeah. Okay, uh, Scott Stamper wrote, Dear Stephen Neal, long-time reader, occasional news contributor, first time chiming in. Well, thank you, Scott, and welcome. Thank you. I think Alfonso Cuaron? 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 Yeah, hmm. would be a great choice especially if he's paired up with Nolan's brother and Goya. He directed Prisoner of Azkaban and Children of Men. Oh. Okay. And based on those two, I think he knows how to balance the fantastical and realism and make you feel for the characters. Just my two cents. Thanks. I love Children okay. of Men. Yeah, well, apologies for the pronunciation of the director's name, but, um, yeah, um, he, he's done a great job with those two films. Yeah. Okay. Arnie wrote, love the podcast, guys. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. Is that love the podcast guys or love the podcast guys? Well, if, either way, you're cool. <laughs> I'm a longtime Superman fan who read the comic books back in the 70s. It's nice to stay up to date as the Superman, on the Superman family through, through your show. 
Keep up the good work. A, di- a great director for a Superman film would be Brad Bird. I don't know if he's done any live-action films, but two films on his resume show a true understanding of superheroes, comic books, and a love for Superman. The Incredibles, and my all-time favorite, The Iron Giant. Yes, Iron Giant. Very good. Just watched that yesterday. Actually, I was just watching that uh, half an hour before recording this podcast. It happened to be nice. on, uh, on the TV, and uh, caught the end of it. And it always brings a, a lump to the throat and a tear to the eye at the end of that film. And uh, Yeah. The Giants' love of uh, of the character of Superman, and yeah, Brad Bird. Um, yeah, he, I've only known him through his animated films, but uh, yeah, he's a, a great director, and um, it would be interesting to see uh, whether or not what his take would be on a live action Superman film. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, the last entry we've got is uh, an audio file from Mikey B, who recorded his answer, and here's what Mikey had to say. Hey, Steve. Hey, Neil. Mikey B responded to this month's big question. Um, whoever Christopher Nolan picks is fine with me. Um, whether it's his little brother Jonah or another understudy, uh, I don't think it's going to be anybody too mainstream. I don't think they're going to let Christopher Nolan overlook. You know, I don't think a big time director is going to let uh, Christopher Nolan over being you know a, a, a godfather to to his movie. Uh, so I think it's going to be someone maybe we really either someone new or maybe uh, maybe even someone we haven't heard of at all. Um, but whoever they, I have full confidence in him and his and 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 the crew that uh, David Goyer and Jonah, the two writers, and whoever else he's got on his crew. So full confidence in him, no issue there. I do have a little concern, and I know you didn't ask this, but uh, I have a little concern that this one is going to work. And I, and what I mean by that is not that I don't think these guys can can make it work. I'm just concerned that it works because I'm just fearful that if it doesn't work. We're back to, you know, uh, you know, limbo with the Superman movies, and who knows how long it'll be before we get another one. Especially with all these legal issues, I think if this one works, they won't care if they have to pay Siegel and Schuster because they'll just be like, we just got, we just made hundreds of millions. Who cares if we have to pay them some money to make a sequel? If it doesn't work, they're gonna say, forget it. I'm, we're we're not gonna pay those guys uh, money. This we tried twice now. We can't get this to work, and we put our best guys on it. But I am very, I was thrilled the day I heard that Christopher Nolan's crew is going to be producing. I was, I'm very happy. I, there's no one else I'd rather have do it. I have full confidence in him. I, I can't wait already, and I haven't even heard much. So um, I hope, I just hope it works. I hope it goes, I hope it goes great. And uh, maybe we can get a couple movies, you know, two, three movies within a few years this time. And, and have a lot of fun with them as fans and uh and enjoy them uh that would be great so that's it take care guys okay well thanks to everyone who sent in an answer to the big question uh what's our new big question neil well now that season of smallville uh, season 10 of smallville has been announced we want to know what the focus of the season should be special effects the return of Lana Lang, (laughs) (laughs) or freaks of the week or perhaps a suit um, obviously, everyone would like to see him become Superman, but uh, you know, uh, season eight was, um, I guess, the, the the arc arc of that season was, uh, you know, the doomsday thing. Um, yeah. Season nine at the moment has uh, been, you know, about other heroes and the blur, and you know, moving forward in, in that direction. Where should season ten head? What should be the overall arc of season ten? Let us know what you think. 
by participating in the Big Questions segment of the show. You can do that by sending in an email using the Big Question entry form found at the website, or you can do like Mikey B did and record your audio answer and send that to us as an MP3 file, and we'll play it in the next episode of Radio KAL. And be sure to bear in mind that there are only two villains they haven't used in the show, Titano and Darkseid. So, you know, <laughs> tailor your finale speculation around Darkseid riding t- Titano. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In a world where imps exist. What do you mean I can't put cheese on my earmuffs? And are the coolest of all beings in history. Yeah, you can have my autograph. Sure, I'll take your picture with you. Okay, toots. Let's go back to my place. One of them visits some mook in a cave to put a little light in his life. It's called a joke, Soups. You're supposed to laugh. And decides the best way to liven Metropolis up is with song. Scaramooch, Scaramooch, will you do the Fandango? Mix is going to rock your world in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 63, on March 31st, 2010. Only at PendantAudio.com. Thunderbolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Figaro, Magnifico. Kara searches for answers. What are you looking for, exactly? Someone keeps leaving presents on my doorstep. I want to know who. But John Doe has all the answers he needs. Holy smokes, is that what I think it is? Sure is. All it takes is a special delivery. Kara, are you okay? Whoa, Kara. You look like someone just walked over your grave. I don't know, I just... I don't feel well all of a sudden. Jeez, Blondie. I ain't seen you like this in a long time. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 35. Coming March 31st at PendantAudio.com. Not every supervillain has to blow things up, you know. It sure helps. Bailey's Bookshelf Time. Oh, Bailey. Michael Bailey returns with another trade paperback review. So we'll hand over to Mike now and see what he has to say. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the feature here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to the bookcase, choose a Superman trader hardcover, or even a novel, and give you the 411 on it, as the kids say today, which is my attempt at being hip. And once again, I fail. Anyways, this month... (laughs) This month I have something really kind of cool. Before 1986, I would say, collected editions of comic books were few and far between. Occasionally you would have a Superman from the 30s to the 70s, or a Super Origins of the Super DC Heroes... And then there were a whole bunch of paperback-sized reprints where they would cut and paste comic books to fit in that format. 
the book I have chosen today is one of those rare collected editions from the early 80s. I'm not saying that the book itself is rare. I'm just saying that this was something really, really special at that time. came out in 1981, and it was called The Great Superman Comic Book Collection. And it is a hardcover collection of Superman stories that has this kind of vinyl feel to it. The, the cover, cover is almost poofy, I would say. I'm sure there's a term for this, but I have no idea what that would be. The cover to the book is absolutely gorgeous, with what looks to be a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez-drawn Superman with his fists on his hips. And the subtitle, for lack of a better term, for the collection is Time Honored Classics. When you open the book, the first thing you are faced with is two pages of small Superman S-shields repeated over and over and over again on a blue background. Now, I am going to warn you that if you get this book, do not stare at this for too long, or you will go blind. Uh, I was brought back from the edge from my wife, thankfully. It's, it's kind of... Even looking at it now, it's, it's kind of spooky. The introduction to this book is written by E. Nelson Bridwell. I've mentioned Bridwell before on this feature, but for those coming in late, he was an editor and writer at DC Comics that, when he was alive, was considered to be the leading authority in all things Superman. What follows is a fantastic collection of Superman stories, each with an introduction explaining their place in the Man of Steel's history. First up is The Origin of Superman, written by Bridwell, with art by Carmine Infantino and Kurt Swan. This is reprinted from the Amazing World of DC Comics Metropolis edition, and is, to my mind, the definitive retelling of the Silver and Bronze Age Superman's origin. Then there's How Luther Met Superboy, from Adventure Comics number 271. Written by Jerry Siegel, with art by Al Plastino, this is the classic story how Lex Luthor and Superboy met, became friends, and then enemies after the accident that caused Luthor's hair to fall out. If you have never read this one, I suggest tracking down a reprint, because there is more to Luthor's origin than just his hair falling out. Everyone likes to make fun of that, but after reading this story, I kind of see why Lex went to the dark side. Following that origin tale, we get another with the Supergirl from Krypton, from Action Comics number 252. Otto Binder wrote this one with art, once again, by Al Plastino, and this is the story of how Supergirl, a.k.a. Kara Zor-El, came to Earth. Then there is the classic, there's a lot of classic in this book, just just to tell you, the classic Superman's Return to Krypton, a three-part story, at least in terms of chapters, because back then, most comic books had two to three stories in them, and and every once in a while, all of those stories would tell one big story, which uh, which was probably a pretty big deal to the people reading those comics at the time. This is from Superman number 141. Jerry Siegel wrote this one, with Wayne Boring providing the art, and in this tale, Superman goes back in time and spends some quality time with his parents, even falling in love with an actress and deciding to stay on Krypton and ride out the explosion before accidentally getting stuck on a rocket and being shot into space. One of the best Silver Age Superman stories, hands down, at least in my opinion. Next up is Three Nights in the Fortress of Solitude, a story from Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane number 14, which was written by Otto Binder and art by Kurt Scheffenberger. This is a weird one where Lois spends a few nights in the Fortress of Solitude, and there is a scene in this story that seen from the perspective of today that makes it kind of creepy. 
Jimmy Olsen gets his turn with uh, The Boy of Steel by Otto Binder and Kurt Swan. This story is from Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 16, and is typical of Jimmy's early issues where the cub reporter gets into a mess in one way or another, and this time believing he had gained invulnerability by eating space cherries. This is followed by the three-part, again for the time, The Deadly Duo from Superman number 167 by Edmund Hamilton and Kurt Swan with a plot by Carrie Bates. If I'm remembering correctly, this story came from a cover idea that Carrie Bates sent in that had Lex and Brainiac uh, holding a shrunken Superman in a birdcage. And... Back then, apparently, if you sent in a cover idea that was good enough, they would use it, and you would get some art from that issue. This is an epic story of Lex and Brainiac teaming up to destroy the Man of Steel. Finally, there is a four-part story coming from a rare multi-issue arc that took place over the course of Superman number 296 to 299. Written by Elliot S. Magan and Kurt Swan, with plotting credit going to Carrie Bates, this is probably one of the most epic and ambitious Superman stories of the 70s. This story was the resolution of the Mr. X storyline, where Clark had this bizarre neighbor that had been brewing in the Superman titles for some time. I really don't want to give too much away about the story, because I, I, I want you all to check it out. But through the machinations of an alien living next door to him, Superman is faced with a dilemma. When he wears his Clark Kent clothes, his powers disappear, and when he changes into Superman, his powers return. What follows is a story where Superman contemplates giving up one of his identities. One issue, he is only Superman, and in another, he is just Clark Kent, which has the best Clark Kent, Steve Lombard moment ever. The resolution is fantastic and involves a good number of Superman's rogues gallery to boot. Again, a must-read for all Superman fans. Even if you don't like the Bronze Age Superman, check this story out. And that's it for this month. Come back next month where I'll do it all over again. And make sure to check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast hosted by me and Jeffrey Taylor. A new episode goes up every week on Thursday night right here at the Superman homepage. And now, back to Stephen Neal. Thank you, Michael. And remember, if you have a trade paperback that you would like Michael to review on Radio KAL, be sure to send in an email to us, or you can email Michael directly uh, via the link on his name at the website. So uh, get involved with the Bailey's Bookshelf segment of the show. Yeah, go for it, guys. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Okay, super secret soundbite time. I am utterly amused by the fact that the uh, the sound bite came from one person and a bunch of people, which is really funny given the title of the episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the sound came from Smallville Season 9's fifth episode, Roulette. And... Um, <laughs> Only one person guessed it right, as Neil said, and that person was Stephen Holmes. And that's where the white ball lands. There you go. No. And I know Stephen, too. He's, he's a really bright guy, so <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, congratulations, Stephen. And uh, let's see if others uh, can join Stephen in guessing which episode of Smallville this new sound comes from. Whatever you do, Chloe, stay away from that monster. Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, 
Use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Radio KAL webpage and get your entry in. Now you've only got nine seasons to pick from, so it's very easy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so get your entry in, and whoever guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. All right, Superman song time. What's this about Superman's big sister? <laughs> well, it's Superman's big sister, but uh, the song is by Ian Jury and the Blockheads. Now, this 1980s song intentionally misspelt the title from Superman to Superman spelt S-U-E-P-E-R-M-A-N because Jury was worried about copyright concerns and didn't want to be sued by DC Comics with sued meaning S-U-E. But, um... it, yeah, that's really funny because, you know, now that they've made it Superman, we can just say it's Superman here. Yeah. And so they've changed it so that they don't get sued for copyright. And we change it back to Superman so we don't get sued by Ian Drury and the Blockheads. And they, they can, then, then, then they concurrently sue us for using their song and then DC sues them. And then just the whole house, house of cards goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, with, uh, with that explanation by Neil, he's <laughs> Superman's Big Sister by Ian Drury and the Blockheads. I could have been a lawyer.
that's the show for another month. Uh, remember, if you want to get involved with the show, you can do so by sending in suggestions for topics that you'd like Neil and I to discuss. Maybe there's a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to review. Perhaps there's a big question you'd like to pose for the big question segment of the show. Or maybe there's a song that you'd like us to play in a future podcast. To send in all those suggestions, use the KAL mail feedback form found at the Superman homepage. And Neil and I will try to use those suggestions in future shows. But for now, that's the show. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Steve. And as the creators of the Smallville RPG once said, when the Greeks rolled a one, caveat emptor. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com. <laughs>